In this week's episode, we have a massive amount of news and updates from the likes of Amazon, eBay, Etsy, Mercari, and Poshmark. What is up, Galaxians? There's nothing like starting off a live show with technical difficulties. <laughs> uh, I tried to go live like five times, and it kept telling me to check my internet connection, which was totally fine because everything else was working. But it finally engaged, and here we are. Welcome to the show. What is up, Galaxians? We have got a big, big show with news updates literally from almost every platform I can think of. So without further ado... News updates. Probably the biggest update uh, for the week came out late last week on the Posh Life blog from Poshmark. They announced a new program, Posh Ambassador 2, a new level to their Poshmark Ambassador program, which is really cool. Uh, Posh Ambassadors, they say, are at the heart of Poshmark. And to reward you for your achievements, we're literally taking it to the next level. Introducing Posh Ambassador 2, a new level that earns you more exclusive Posh perks in order to reach and maintain PA2 status entry and quarterly requirements must be met. This sounds a lot like the Etsy Star Seller Program, but maybe with more perks. So I will link to this particular blog post and everything else that we talk about today so that you can go check this out. You've probably already seen this if you are a seller over on Poshmark. But some of the benefits, a Posh Ambassador 2 badge, priority support uh, from the Posh team, tickets to exclusive Posh events, a global in-app promotion, and exclusive live events. So there are some added benefits given to people who achieve this level. The initial entry requirements, you must be a ambassador or standard level one now ambassador for six consecutive months. You need to have 100 available listings, 20,000 community shares, 50 sold listings, one posher recruited, a 4.7 or better seller rating, and a less than three-day ship time. Once you have achieved all of that you will become a Posh Ambassador Level 2. And then there are some quarterly requirements that will kick in. You will need to create 250 new listings, have 4,000 4, community shares within the quarter, 50 sold listings, and maintain your 4.7 or better rating. The evaluations will be at the start of each quarter on January 1, April 1, July 1, and October 1. And once you've met the quarterly requirements, you'll automatically be leveled up. So once you hit that initial batch of goals, that's the only time you have to do that. You'll automatically be notified, confirming your status at the end of each evaluation period. If for some reason you miss a quarterly result, you do not need to start over. You only have to do that entry requirement one time. After you complete the current quarter's maintenance requirements, your PA2 status and benefits will be reinstated. So the way I read that, would be if for some reason you fall out of the program at the next evaluation period, as long as you have redone all those quarterly goals, you don't need to do those initial entry goals again. So this looks like a really cool program. If you are a posh seller, uh, let us know in the chat if you're here live this morning or in the comments, uh, whether you think this is a good program or not and what, what you think of it. But uh, I thought that was really an interesting setup. Tons of news. Uh, over the last week 
from the behemoth known as Amazon. Article over on CNBC this week, or late last week, I guess it was, Amazon's profit engines are humming, cushioning the blow from the retail slowdown. So as an organization, they're essentially continuing to just print money over there, but they're doing it in a slightly different way. Amazon reported its slowest revenue growth in more than four years, while its retail business in the U.S. and internationally actually lost money, which is interesting. The company's cloud and advertising business served as the two clear bright spots for investors, and they also assured Wall Street that it was getting their pandemic costs under control. Uh, They reported the slowest revenue growth in over four years, and they missed investor estimate targets. Uh, But they found plenty of relief in other areas. Cloud computing and advertising, the areas where Amazon generates the most of their profits anyway, showed rapid expansion. Amazon Web Services, which provides remote computing, storage, and database services, reported a revenue jump of almost 40% from a year ago to $17.8 billion. Uh, I don't think people realize how much of the current internet is actually powered by Amazon. It is a massive, massive amount of businesses that are very reliant on Amazon Web Services. And $17.8 billion, <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a tidy little number. Their operating profit for that division was $5.29 billion, and it actually accounted for more than 100% of Amazon's total operating profit for the quarter. So they lost money essentially everywhere else. They also surprised investors by breaking out their advertising revenue as a separate business for the very first time. They say that revenue jumped 32% to $9.7 billion, which almost equaled Google's ad growth rate for the same quarter. Until now, uh, Amazon has grouped ads into their other business segments, and nobody was quite sure how much money they were raking in on advertising. They say the story of the fourth quarter is different from the second and third to the extent the high-margin businesses, cloud computing and advertising, were able to offset the slowdown in e-commerce, said Tom Forte, who's an analyst for D.A. Davidson. Uh, The stock, of course, on this news rocketed up uh, 13% last Friday, which was its biggest one-day gain in six, almost seven years. Fourth quarter sales overall rose 9.4% from a year earlier, fell short of projections, but it marked their first period of single-digit growth since the third quarter of 2017 and was obviously way, way off from the previous year's fourth quarter when sales had jumped 43.6%. So overall, Uh, Amazon's retail business is not really the moneymaker that people think it is. Amazon is making its money now in other areas, the big one being their web services and advertising. So what have they done with all of this uh, newfound profit? Uh, They are raising their base salary cap to $350,000 from $160,000 for people in their executive ranks, which I find really interesting. The online retailer says they employed 1.6 million people globally last year, and they cite a particularly competitive labor market in making this change. They more than doubled the base salary that it will pay employees, saying this past year has seen a particularly competitive labor market, and in doing a thorough analysis of various options, weighing the economics of our business and the need to remain competitive for attracting and retaining top talent, we decided to make meaningfully bigger increases to our compensation levels than we do in a typical year. 
Like many big employers, the article says, this is on Bloomberg, uh, Amazon has struggled to hire and retain workers of late. They've long relied on stock awards, betting that it can entice workers to take positions even if the base pay is low. But the stock has not done that well last year, gaining just 2.4%, while the S&P 500 jumped 27%. The strategy has begun to lose its appeal, and Amazon uh, says they lost 50 vice presidents. (laughs) What in the world do you need with 50, uh, 50 vice presidents who left? I don't know how many they've got, but that is just a staggering number. Um, the interesting part of this to me is that this obviously appears to be aimed more at the corporate office type personnel. Uh, Amazon is currently paying warehouse workers at least $15 an hour. And in September said it had raised the average wages for those employees to $18 an hour, but they're not getting a more than double their pay increase like the folks at the top are. So this is another case of, I I don't know that money is being directed necessarily in all the right areas here. In an effort, I guess, to improve their retail business metrics, if you will, Amazon Prime is going to increase in price to, I think it's $139. This article on CNET Amazon Prime will soon cost $140. Here's how to lock in the rate of $120 for another year. The price is going from $119 to $139 for annual subscribers and monthly members. It's going to go from $13 to $15. Uh, So it definitely pays to do the annual subscription. This bump, they say, marks the first time Amazon will raise prices on Prime since 2018 when it went from $99 to $119. It originally launched at $79 way back in 2005. The price change goes into effect on February 18th for new Prime accounts and existing accounts. That increased price will kick in on your first renewal payment after March 25th. You can, the the article suggests a couple of ways that you can kind of beat this price increase. They note savvy bargain shoppers have noted that Amazon's gift of Prime service can be an effective method of extending the current price rate. If you buy a gift subscription to Amazon Prime before the price change and activate it when your existing subscription expires, you will essentially get another year at the lower price. So if you are a Prime subscriber uh, and want to try to dodge this price increase, that might be a good option for you. They say that despite better-than-expected fourth-quarter earnings, Amazon gave several reasons for the price hike in its press release, including more big-budget shows on Prime Video, like The Wheel of Time, Jack Reacher, and the upcoming Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, which I cannot wait for. (laughs) Uh, I am a huge Lord of the Rings fan. I was talking to somebody the other day about some books, and that and Isaac Asimov's Foundation series are the only books I've actually read more than once. I have thoroughly enjoyed the movies, and I'm really looking forward to the show. So if they jack the price of Prime up, I'm going to pay it because I can't miss <laughs> uh, this new Lord of the Rings Rings of Power show. Anyway, uh, they also signed a decade-long exclusive license to NFL's Thursday Night Football, all of which, of course, has cost them a ton of money. They also touted the expanded availability of same-day delivery to 90 metropolitan areas in the U.S., free shipping, and more Prime deals. So it's probably, in the end, for me, it's worth it just for the video service. I've got Netflix. I like Amazon Prime. If you don't use the video service, it's probably a pretty hard sell. And 
the current Walmart program probably looks pretty attractive, but um, the price is going up, so be aware of that. Interestingly, um, Amazon, we've talked about this a couple of times on this show. Amazon needs the sellers, but sellers don't seem to have any leverage. This article over on e-commerce bytes notes that sellers provided 56% of Amazon's unit sales in the fourth quarter, which is a frighteningly high number. Uh, 56% is crazy. It is the highest fourth quarter mix ever on Amazon. Because it is such a competitive marketplace, sellers have helped it grow its advertising revenue, which we just talked about, which the company broke out for the first time. Again, noting they rang up $9.176 billion with a B dollars in advertising services in the fourth quarter alone. Axios made an interesting point in its rundown of this Amazon ad business news because its ads are mostly sold to its own retailers looking to better boost their products in Amazon search results. Its ad business in addition to its regular retail sales business, is directly tied to the health of those businesses on its e-commerce platform. While this is a mutually beneficial relationship between the two, sellers have generally felt and still feel that they have no leverage really to affect change, whether it's an issue they're having on their account or whether it's a broader policy change they would like to see. So we talked, I think it was last week, about Amazon and their big push to recruit more and more sellers. And that's because they're obviously their retail business at 56% is much more reliant on people like us selling on that platform. And because they are squeezing every nickel and dime out of you to get you to advertise and promote your products through their ad services where they are just raking in the money. Uh, they have also, at Amazon, like I said, it is a big week on Amazon. They have added a new update saying that electronics sellers must add new RFD attribute to your listings. If you list certain electronics on the Amazon site, you must revise their listings to comply with the new policy on radio frequency. The FCC radio frequency emission compliance attribute is now available for you to add to your FCC compliance information to radio frequency devices that you offer for sale on Amazon, the marketplace informed sellers last week. Examples of some products that are regulated by the FCC include Wi-Fi devices, Bluetooth devices, radios, broadcast transmitters, signal boosters, and devices with cellular technology. Sellers, they note, will have five weeks to make sure they comply with the new policy, Amazon will begin removing ASINs that are missing the required FCC information effective on March 7th. So if you're selling electronics and you're on Amazon, you're going to need to go back through all of your existing listings and make sure you add this new information. They noted the following. If you are listing an RFD for sale on Amazon in the FCC radio frequency emission compliance attribute, you must do one of the following. One, provide evidence of FCC authorization consisting of either an FCC certification number or contact information for the responsible party as defined by the FCC or two, declare that the product is not capable of emitting radio frequency energy or is not required to obtain an FCC RF equipment authorization. Normally, if you look at the device, there will be a stamp or a, a plate on it that says... FCC, blah, 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 whatever the, the verbiage is that lets you know that that thing is authorized 
to put out a certain amount of radio frequencies. So you'll have to probably go back and look at every individual item, which if you're a big, <laughs> if you're a big seller, that is going to be a job. Uh, but it is something you're going to need to do or starting in early March, your listings over on Amazon are going to come down. I'm going to jump into the chat here real quick. Prenny's prize possessions. Uh, wonder if the Biden administration will break up Amazon in the future due to their control of the internet amongst other things. That's a really interesting, Amazon has become so big as, as has Google, Facebook. Um, I don't know what the appetite level is in the government right now to look at breaking these companies up or how you would, how you would even do it. Would you just break off the advertising piece of Amazon separately and the web hosting piece separately? How would you structure a breakup of Amazon and to, to what effect would it have on them overall? You know, back in the day, I'm old enough that I remember when they broke up like AT&T and it didn't really have the effect that anybody expected. So I don't know what the answer is there, but we have, as a society, invested a lot of power in a relative handful of companies uh, on the tech side. Uh, Amazon has added yet another new feature to help sellers, they say, win the buy box. They have added a price comparison feature that they told sellers would help increase their chances of winning the buy box. This announcement came last Friday, quote, with the newly launched pricing status feature. You can view how your price compares to other prices on Amazon or outside of Amazon in the price plus shipping column on the manage inventory page. The pricing status will show you how your price compares to the featured offer, competitive price, and lowest price. You can choose to match any of these prices by clicking on the match button next to the respective price. So they're giving you an opportunity to see what the competition is doing and then quickly uh, join the race to the bottom <laughs> uh, by clicking on the button to just say match whatever the lowest price is. So they do explain what those different um, definitions are featured offer is, is the actual buy box. It is the offer at the top of a product detail page, which customers can buy now or add to their shopping carts. They note that sellers must meet performance-based requirements, including pricing competitively to be eligible for featured offer placements. Competitive price is the lowest price from this item from other major retailers outside Amazon, which is a really interesting feature. So they're scraping the internet and finding the lowest price elsewhere and then displaying that for you as well. It does not, however, include prices from other sellers on Amazon. To be considered competitively priced, your price plus shipping must be less than or equal to this competitive price. And then lowest price is based on your managed inventory preferences, which allows you to compare offers using the following variables, listing condition and fulfillment method. To filter the listings, go to low price comparison section in preferences. They said in Friday's announcement to increase your chances of becoming the featured offer, consider pricing competitively by setting your price plus shipping to be less than or equal to the competitive price. Uh, they link to the full announcement over on Amazon Seller Central. So if you're a seller on Amazon, you've got some more, some more pricing tools, which all serve to drive down retail prices by creating essentially a dogfight, <laughs> uh, as it has been for a long time, to try to win that buy box. So that's a really interesting situation. 
Uh, I did put in the chat a link to uh, join me on today's podcast, and it looks like I've actually got somebody here in the studio. So, um, Michael, welcome to the stream. Hey. What's going on, man? How you doing? Good. You have anything uh, you would? Quick uh, uh, question for you. Yeah. Yeah. I see that you have Macari on the uh, the title of your stream. Yes. I'm guessing uh, perhaps you're a user of it. Or... I am indeed. I'm a, a. I would say a fairly active seller because I've got four thousand odd listings, but it's it is not near the size of some of the other platforms, especially Amazon, obviously, and eBay. Okay. Well. I... A quick thing, I've been using it for about almost a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, nowhere near your sales, but uh, I have noticed as a buyer, like the uh, the fees. Or back then, I felt like um, sellers would uh, include the free shipping. Now I feel like every every product is now like, ah, you know, here's the you have to pay for the shipping as well. I don't know if you've noticed the same as well. I, I haven't, but I can tell you from my own personal experience, I have gone away from the free shipping model, uh, particularly on B- eBay, and that's because the post office has announced that they're going to do um, postal price increases in some categories twice a year. So that becomes a, a very expensive proposition. If, you are, if you're offering free shipping and the price goes up, the last time it went up, it went up like 12%. If it does that twice a year, you're in a position where pretty soon that's going to get really, really expensive for you. So I think a lot of sellers have chosen to pass that ever-increasing cost on to the customer. Jesus, I was not aware of that. Um, I guess, well, what do you think uh, would be the future on that? Because if it becomes just so expensive, I mean, what's... Right, it's going to... really gaining money? Right, it's going to be really difficult. Um for sellers who are, you know, based on that free shipping model, that's going to be hard for people to maintain, particularly if the items they're, they're shipping are first class or priority, where some of those prices are really going to go up. There are some surcharges on oversized shipments that are just astronomical. Uh, a poster tube box that exceeds, I think, 22 inches is going to have a big surcharge on it. If it goes over 30 inches, it's going to have like a $15 surcharge. So those prices are going to start to price some people out of the market. It's going to be really difficult. This, it's going to be fascinating to watch, in my opinion, over the next year or two, what happens with, particularly with smaller sellers who can't absorb those kind of costs. Amazon obviously is willing to lose money on free shipping because they're making it up elsewhere. But you and I don't have that. I don't, <laughs> I don't have a web services no. division here in my basement. I just can't. I've got to make my money on the stuff that I sell. <laughs> So it's going to be tough. Of course. I mean, every little bit counts and it adds up. And, uh, you know, um, obviously you being a seller, you know, we all feel it. But my girlfriend was actually wanting to maybe, you know, she does sell, but, you know, maybe look into it like something like a side hustle, side job. Right. And uh, I'm like, I don't know how, you know, these these fees, they're, they're increasing. And, like, I've noticed people are charging more now than ever. So, I mean... I don't blame anybody for uh, no longer having the free shipping. But uh, that was my only question, if you witnessed it. But uh, your take as far as uh, them uh, increasing the, the fees are, is outrageous. So uh, I will keep listening. Thank okay. you. And uh, great input. Thank I you. appreciate it.
So yeah, that is going to continue to be uh, an issue. We've talked about it on this show numerous times previously. The increasing postal rates are, it's going to make low dollar items particularly difficult if you're working on, you know, sub $10 items. We talked, I think last week or two weeks ago about the program that they're trying in the UK where they're actually eBay is trialing, reducing their fees to help offset some of that cost. Because if your margins are pretty low and they get chewed up by postage or the addition of postage, if you pass that along to the customer, makes that item uncompetitive, it's going to be really, really tough to continue to make money. So uh, it's definitely something that you need to manage. Obviously, as a seller, uh, I was talking to someone yesterday that it's really becoming increasingly important to make sure that you have your sizes and your weights right when you create your listings so that you don't get a surprise with uh, shipping costs. Moving on, speaking of Mercari, this is uh, a really interesting video. It's over on Quartz. I'm not going to play the video because I'm not sure I can get away with that, but uh, I will link to it again, of course, down in the description below. But Mercari US CEO John Lagerling uh, participated in a chat on brokering better connections with customers online. The global clothing resale industry has exploded, they note, from a blip in 2009 to a $7 billion market 10 years later and is projected to hit $20 billion this year. In the short term, of course, that blip may be thanks in part to the pandemic, but long term, it owes more to the rising consumer awareness of climate change, especially since the fashion industry has such a notoriously massive carbon footprint. Mercari, of course, is a growing marketplace here in the U.S. and in this particular show, Quartz CEO Zach Seward interviewed uh, Mercari CEO John Lagerling about the nuances of running a business whose positive impact on the environment is a major selling point, but is not the core of what they do, which I found really interesting. Mercari, they note, doesn't really talk much about sustainability at all. In fact, its marketing revolves solely around the emotional impact of letting go of old things, imagining the joy, they say, that they can bring others while making a little extra cash in the process. He's quoted as saying, buying and selling between people on an emotional level feels really relevant. There are so many layers to this that are positive. We don't want to have just that one environmental message as the beacon. We want to capture the whole experience. Mercari's audience says their CEO already implicitly understands that these activities are good for the planet, and he wants to convince them that they can be good for the soul as well. So this was a really interesting interview. Uh, the link will be there if you want to go check it out. Moving on over to Etsy. Uh, I, we've got good news and bad news <laughs> uh, this week over at Etsy. Uh, Etsy, as we've talked about previously, pressures their sellers to ship orders fast as they can, but quick shipping, what they're finding, is leaving some sellers in a situation where they're getting burned. An incident was reported last week on the Etsy boards that Etsy notified them at 10.49 a.m. that their buyer's funds were on their way to their bank account. The seller prepared a shipping label at 12.26, handed the package to the postal carrier, and at 1.58, Etsy notified the seller that the order had been canceled and the buyer had been refunded. (laughs) Uh, There are some problems, apparently, with Etsy's payment processing system. Not only was the package already on the way to the buyer, But Etsy dinged the seller's credit card for the amount of the sale since it had already sent the funds to the seller's bank. 
Another reader brought the same problem to our attention last month. There is something not right with Etsy payment. More threads are popping up about Etsy canceling sales after sellers have already shipped the purchases previously approved by their payment system. I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. It is a problem that continues to grow over there. One of the big issues, of course, compounding the problem. Some sellers say that they've been unable to reach customer support to figure out how to resolve the issue. In the thread referenced above, there was no response from anyone at Etsy. They note in the article, they don't know if anybody at Etsy monitors their user bulletin boards online. Obviously, eBay is pretty good about that. They've got moderators in those boards that will chime in as they know information, but the Etsy boards appear to be fairly devoid of that. Uh, As a result of the ongoing issue, they note that some sellers have taken to extending their shipping and processing times in order to avoid this, waiting at least an extra day to ship. Sellers reacting to such reports wrote comments, quote, I often used to ship within a few hours of receiving an order. I wouldn't even consider it now. So, they're trying to push this star seller program and they want you to do all this stuff. And then they're reversing transactions that have already been shipped. I would think there should be some kind of way to put into their system an indication that once an item is marked as shipped with tracking, that the item can't be canceled. Um, I don't, I'm not a programmer. I don't know, but you would think that that logically would make some sense on the good news front, kind of relating to this itch issue. Etsy is going to improve support after sellers petition the marketplace. Etsy says they are going to invest $50 million to improve customer support for buyers and sellers this year. Uh, The move comes after more than 20,000 sellers petitioned Etsy to improve their customer support for sellers. Vice President of Global Member Services Brendan Mulren said in Thursday's announcement that the company was committed to scaling support to meet the evolving needs of their community. I'm proud to say, or I'm sorry, proud to share, he said, that we're investing over $50 million to provide and improve customer support on the Etsy marketplace in the coming year. This will enable us to grow the size of our support team by more than 20% while investing in critical tools and resources to empower our community. When an issue arises or a user has a question, we want to ensure they get support quickly and easily. Uh, obviously it's an issue that they have uh, (laughs) a great need to invest some money in over there. What's stuck in seller's craw, some said on the uh, petition, was that Etsy demanded sellers provide stellar customer support to its buyers while not meeting its own standards when dealing with their sellers. Some referenced the Star Seller Program that favors sellers who meet a high bar of service performance. It is crazy, one seller said, when Etsy expects a higher level of customer service from their sellers than they give to their sellers. Sorry, Etsy, but you do not qualify for your own star seller program. Etsy listed some examples of improvements they were currently undertaking, which of course include harnessing technology to improve support. While all issues are important, they said, we know that some are especially urgent like those that interrupt our sellers' ability to conduct business. We are harnessing the power of machine learning to help our teams prioritize the most pressing requests. As always, they pointed to their self-service support, which is less expensive for companies, of course, because you just click on an FAQ and try to find the answer yourself. He said, information is power. We are expanding our help center and improving its navigation, making it easier for sellers to access articles and content to manage their accounts better, find answers to their questions, 
and self-service minor issues that may arise. I am not a seller on Etsy, so I don't have any experience personally with their help system, but it sounds like it is not uh, state-of-the-art at this point. So kudos to them for recognizing it finally, maybe a little late, but and making the investment to upgrade it. Moving on to eBay. There was an email that went out yesterday. Uh, eBay is updating their user agreement. This update takes effect on February 9th. So today they gave me one whole day's notice to review these changes. <laughs> uh, notable changes include payment terms now reflect eBay's migration over to managed payments. We may publish and promote your listings on platforms belonging to other eBay corporate family members and or third parties, which I found interesting. Ways eBay can use your personal data have brought been brought in con- accordance with our user privacy notice. Transaction terms regarding eBay's authentic- authentication guarantee programs have been updated. We're going to talk about that program here in a moment. And more details are, of course, available on eBay's policy with respect to sharing credentials. There is a link in the email that you should have received where you can go and review the entire updated agreement, which nobody, I'm sure, does. Um, Maybe a lawyer somewhere will go look at it, but we're all, we're so invested in these companies and in their services. We don't even generally read their terms of service let alone look at the updates, which is probably bad on us. <laughs> we probably should do that, but it's it's just too much, and most of it doesn't actually make much sense anyway. So, Sorry for the coffee slurp there. Uh, eBay is now committing to an ad solution for auction sellers. So we've talked about the promoted listings advanced beta, where you can pay per click for advertising your listings. That has not, until this point, been available for auction sellers. It now is. It started popping up on my listings about a week ago. And, of course, much like Amazon, to grow revenue, eBay is counting on sellers willing to pay extra to promote their listings beyond insertion fees. On Thursday, they announced the expansion of their ad solution for auctions and said that there is more to come. First introduced in September, eBay Promoted Listings Express was initially only available through the eBay mobile app. That was intentional, they said, in order to test usage and gather some feedback. By December, they had rolled out Promoted Listings Express to the desktop and mobile web so sellers could promote their auction listings from any device. Auction ads, they note, are only available to eligible sellers in the U.S., U.K., Germany, Australia, Canada, France, Italy, and Spain. One of the criteria is that you must be above standard or top rated. If you are not in those categories, you cannot promote with this program. They do work differently than the other eBay ad solutions. As they explained, when you promote your listings with Promoted Listings Express, you will pay a flat fee upfront to place your listing as a sponsored ad on similar listings. When a buyer clicks on the sponsored ad, they'll be taken to your listing. You can promote any auction-style listing except for items in the vehicles, real estate, travel, or other select categories. The million-dollar question, of course, is how much do the ads cost? They say your express ad fee will depend on the length of your auction-style listing and the category you select when listing your item. When promoting your listing, you will see the fee clearly stated before confirming your purchase, and you will be charged immediately. 
They add that over the next several months, they plan to offer sellers more ways to spend their money (laughs) accessing promoted listings express and their ad report. In addition to expanding those placements across eBay, those changes they note will allow more sellers to take advantage of this visibility to boost for their auction items and see the impact their promotion is providing. So again, as I've talked about previously, this may work for some people. I've seen it pop up. I've got auctions that I'm starting at $5.99 and $7.99 that eBay is asking for $1.99 to $3.99 for me to promote. And that makes no sense to me whatsoever. I would not pay two bucks, three bucks, four bucks to promote an item that I'm starting my auction at $8. I'm essentially giving up a quarter to half of my potential profit right out of the gate with that promoted ad. So let us know in the chat or in the comments if that is something that you would use. Uh, But that is not a program at this point that I probably would consider. I mentioned that we were going to talk about the eBay authentication program. There is an article that eBay is not backing their own authentications. Um, This is my shocked face if you're watching on YouTube. (laughs) Uh, This frankly does not surprise me at all. There's a thread over on the eBay discussion boards that started clear back in November. A seller reported that eBay didn't stand behind the authentication of a Chanel handbag. The seller shipped the handbag to eBay, who authenticated the bag and forwarded it to the buyer. The buyer later filed a claim complaining about the condition of the bag and shipped it back to eBay, and they sided with the buyer. The money is still being held and the damaged Chanel bag is on its way to me. The buyer admitted to attempting to clean the bag with an abrasive cleaner, which is what damaged it. And yet eBay sided with the buyer. So this has been an ongoing cry from sellers for years that eBay historically always sides with the buyer. And from a customer service standpoint, That probably makes some sense, but in a case like this where the buyer has openly admitted that the damage to the item was not original to the item, that they actually did it, I am, frankly, a little surprised that eBay went along with this. They note if eBay authenticated the bag as being in the condition the seller described and then forwarded it to the buyer, how can they later say the bag was not in the same condition and this after it was in the buyer's possession for a month? Several other sellers also described similar issues with the authentication program. There is the idea of the program was there was no he said, she said situation. The authenticator saw the item when it went out and verified that it was in the proper condition. And yet this is going on. Uh, February 4th, the seller said they were in the same situation with a watch that the experts had passed to the buyer as perfect, but then allowed the buyer to return a watch which was scratched and a box which was damaged and eBay now demanding money from the seller. So the authentication program, while a good marketing tool, doesn't necessarily appear to be working in quite the way that people would have anticipated. Jumping into the chat real quick, Rebel Junk, I thought selling on eBay was complicated. I don't think I would ever want to sell on Amazon. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Uh, eBay's tough enough. I was working with a guy yesterday and showing him some of the hoops that I jumped through on listings, and it was pretty amazing some of the stuff that you've got to do i don't have auctions but i appreciate the ebay promotions program that doesn't charge you until the item sells yeah that program again i'm not using it but i'm i'm kind of okay with that one that one at least makes sense because you've you've got 
the sale, the money in hand, but paying this up front, in addition to the fees that you're going to pay on the back end, starts to get pretty expensive. Continuing on with eBay, uh, they've got some stuff going on with 1099s over on eBay. They have uh, admitted to a glitch over a California tax form. eBay has told some sellers to disregard, which makes me really nervous, an IRS 1099K form that it had generated because of a, quote, recent technical issue. On Wednesday, there was an article that said sellers in California were puzzled because eBay had issued 1099Ks despite being below the threshold from last year, which was $20,000 in sales and at least 200 transactions. On Friday, eBay notified those sellers to disregard those forms. Quote, a recent technical issue resulted in a form 1099K being incorrectly provided to you. Please disregard the incorrect form. The incorrect form was not, they say, sent to the IRS or to the California Franchise Tax Board. So I guess we got to take them at their word that they didn't send those on. Uh, They say they're working to resolve that issue and ensure it will not happen again unless you had more than $20,000 in gross sales and 200 transactions. In 2021, we will not submit a 1099K form to the IRS or the California Franchise Tax Board. We apologize, of course, for any inconvenience. Uh, Low-volume sellers had been concerned all week about why eBay had generated forms for their accounts. But a couple of days later... Uh, numerous buyers are hit by an eBay tax gaffe. People who didn't even sell on eBay started getting 1099Ks. <laughs> I have no idea how this happens, but here you go. Yesterday, I received a 1099K from eBay. The only problem is I have never sold any items on eBay. On the form, it says for both the month of June and July of 2021, There were sales and I have a gross amount of payment third-party network transactions of $822.48. Again, I have never sold nor listed anything for sale on eBay. I checked my transactions for those two months and I made four purchases that totaled $360. So I'm not sure why I'm getting this form. Another poster who joined that thread said it also happened to them. I do not have an eBay account and have never sold anything. And it says all the transactions happened in September. Interestingly, they note it has my name and an old address, but not the last four of a social or account name. They ask if the uh, original poster got a reply from eBay. A third poster noted that they received a 1099K after never having sold or bought on the site. And again, the payee's tax identification number did not match their social security number. An account number is shown, they said, but it was not. I was not aware of even having an eBay account at all, except for one I created today to pursue this matter. I'm shown as receiving $1,976 in June, nothing for the rest of the year, and the number of transactions is shown as 21. Again, I've never bought or sold anything on eBay. So this is a double whammy. This is These people would not even qualify to receive a 1099K if they had sold anything, because they're well below the 20,200 transaction threshold. And then you compound it that they were never, in some cases, never even on eBay and they got a 1099K. Uh, Throughout the week, apparently more and more people jumped in on this to say that they had received 1099Ks. eBay, for their part, had supposedly contacted some people 
saying again that there was an erroneous error that caused these things to go out and that within 7 to 14 business days, a corrected form should be sent to customers and the IRS. Uh, I don't I don't know what to make of this. Uh, it makes me nervous. I downloaded my 1099-K late last week, and it is significantly lower than I expected it to be. It includes tax and shipping and does not include refunds and all of that kind of stuff. So I don't know why the number is off, but it is off by several thousand dollars to my benefit. So I'm not really complaining, but there are errors throughout the eBay 1099 system. Uh, The IRS, for their part, has advised people to wait a little bit to file to make sure that they have actually the correct forms, which again, On the one hand, they're telling people to file early because they have such a manpower shortage. And on the other hand, they're saying, whoa, slow down a little bit. You're getting some forms that may not be correct. So it's really messy over there. Uh, Let us know if you got your 1099K and how it looked compared to what you thought it would be. Uh, Like I said, mine's off by several thousand dollars. Prenny's prized possessions comments. Sure, it wasn't sent to the IRS. Wink, wink. Sounds like eBay has some serious issues in their IT department. And I would completely agree with that. Uh, They've got myriad issues on a lot of fronts. And again, we've talked about that previously. Their site is, in a lot of cases, based on really old architecture that they have just attempted to edit and update and layer new things on. And anytime you do that, it creates the potential for problems. And this obviously is one of those situations. So we'll see how it goes. I'm going to hold off for a while filing my taxes to see if I get another 1099K, which maybe has these few uh, thousand missing dollars on it. But uh, we'll see how that goes. That's the one advantage. I, I talk about this quite a bit about keeping good records as you go throughout your year rather than waiting until the end, because I had all of my information all ready to go. I got my 1099 and could very quickly compare it to the information that I had logged in my accounting software and see that there was a discrepancy. So I will again preface all this. I am not a tax accountant or a tax lawyer. I'm not giving you tax advice, but I will say that keeping good records and doing so consistently throughout the year does pay some dividends because you can quickly catch things that are going astray. eBay announced, we talked last week about the storm that was coming through uh, from Texas all the way up through the Midwest. They put out another alert that they were going to protect sellers from any defects, but I, I noted one interesting comment at the end of that. Severe storms and flooding have been frequent during the last several months. We want you to rest assured that while we may not always announce measures we're taking to protect you every time a disruptive weather event occurs, we'll continue to protect you. So I would assume from that that they're going to stop (laughs) sending out these memos every time there's a bad storm or a flood or a tornado and just ask you to assume that you are going to be protected. Uh, we've talked about this numerous times. The Natick couple who were harassed by eBay employees are now in settlement talks. So these are the folks who run e-commerce bites, which is a, a website that I reference frequently on this show. They are a wealth of information. And as you recall, they were being stalked by eBay and some eBay executives. There is a lawsuit currently in process 
the couple who were terrorized by eBay employees for several months are now in talks to settle the case against the California-based online auction website. In a joint filing on January 28th, a lawyer for Ina and David Steiner of Natick and lawyers for eBay indicated that they are in settlement talks on the lawsuit. Plaintiffs and eBay have begun in good faith discussions regarding resolving this matter and have agreed to pursue a mediation that may resolve all claims in this action and would moot any motions pending or to be filed in this case. The joint filing requested a hold be put on the case for 90 days as both sides work to reach a settlement. Initially, the Steiners had until January 31st to file a response to a motion to dismiss. All of the co-defendants, bar one, are involved in the settlement. There is one individual whose lawyers oppose it. So uh, it looks like they're probably going to settle this thing out of court and cash out. So good for them. They continue to be, in my opinion, fairly objective with their reviews of what's going on over at eBay. Uh, They, of course, claim to have been terrified and paralyzed, and this was a messy situation all all the way around. But it does not appear to have affected the integrity of their website and the news that they provide. So uh, mad, mad props to those folks. The last thing we've got for this week, there is an article over on Mac Rumors about Apple AirTag tracking devices that have had their speakers deactivated and are now being sold online. They were being sold uh, particularly on eBay and Etsy, and that has raised privacy concerns about the risk of removing what is supposed to be one of the safeguards. The modified AirTags, which are dubbed silent AirTags, have had their internal speaker removed so that they're no longer to emit a sound to highlight their presence. This sounds like a really bad idea right on the face of it. It looks identical to a normal AirTag other than a small hole cut below the battery uh, device's battery to disconnect the speaker. The intent of this modification was to cater to several requests of buyers interested in AirTag products who were interested in fitting an AirTag to their bikes, pets, or power tools. These requests have led me to listing it as a product on Etsy without He notes a great deal of traction. The vast majority of sales shown on my Etsy profile are from other modified AirTags designed to fit inside a purse or wallet. They note, while the motives behind the silent AirTag appear to be innocent, their sale has alarmed privacy advocates online. Uh, One person, Eva Galperin, a director of cybersecurity at the Electronic Frontier Foundation, tweeted, The secondary market for modified AirTags with the speaker disabled for stealth mode and noted any item that works for the purpose of catching a thief in this manner is also a perfect tool for stalking. That is why Apple advertises them as tools for tracking lost items, not stolen ones. AirTags have been increasingly linked to criminal activity in recent months, including vehicle thefts and stalking cases. AirTags automatically alert iPhone users as well as Android users with a Tracker Detect app that when an unknown tracker is traveling with them via notification, the speaker is the AirTag's only anti-stalking mitigation that works automatically and does not depend on the tracked person having a phone. So this thing beeps apparently when it's been separated from its phone or from its owner for a certain amount of time to alert them that it has been disconnected. So uh, let me know what you feel about the, I don't, I don't use AirTags, but uh, this is a really interesting situation. The Etsy, for their part, notified the seller that he needed to take these items down. He had already done so. 
Uh, so they're apparently not available over there any longer. I imagine they are still available on eBay and will probably continue to be used for nefarious acts. Um, jumping back into the chat really quick. Uh, good morning, Van Jim. For, thanks for joining. Better late than never. Work meetings. Jobs, man. That's why I, I got out of the workforce. <laughs> uh, I was so tired of having my time dictated by others. Uh, if anybody has anything else they would like to add, or if anybody would like to jump in here real quick, um, I do not have a what sold segment for this week because uh, we had 17 news articles to go over, and I figured it was going to be a busy, busy show. Rebel junk, yeah, those modified tags are scary. Yeah, uh, you could just, I can see all kinds of, I, I understand the idea behind it, like if I wanted one on my bike that would be the primary example if i park my bike somewhere to run in and grab something and i come out my bike is missing i can track it but i don't want to have to remove the tag every time i park my bike at my home which you would have to do so i get where the idea comes from but i think there's just too many potential downsides to that Prenny's Prize Possessions, great show. Thanks. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate all of you, uh, as always, that stopped in for the live this morning. And for those, of course, that listen or watch over a long period of time. It's interesting to watch, the, particularly the podcast stats. Normally, I'll get 80 or 100 listens in the first about 48 hours. And then over the, the coming days and weeks, it'll continue to trickle up. So I appreciate everybody that stops out at any point to watch or listen to the show. With that, uh, if you enjoyed the show today and you are over here on YouTube, please do me a favor and whack that thumbs up button. Let the YouTube algorithm know that this was a good show. If you are not a subscriber to the show or a follower of the podcast, please consider doing that as well. With that, I'm going to close it for today. I hope everybody is doing well, and we will catch you next time. You have been listening to the Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you again next time.